Mr. Bronson. You've been here less than one day and you faked a stroke, threatened our staff and tried to break out. There was a very special lady friend I had to see because it's been 50 years. Norma was transferred out of here earlier today. She'll be back in three months. I'll find you, Norma. In three months, she might not even remember who I am. Lieutenant Jack Bronson, commander of the infamous Chainbreakers. Now that you're here, we have a full set. But Jeremiah Kane. The best face man you've ever seen. You're outrageous. James Wendell. Toughest son of a bitch you've ever known. <laughs> Angus Grulus Wilson. There's nothing wrong with my memory. There's nothing that Angus can't destroy. Hope you're not causing too much trouble over there. <laughs> what? Some of us have regrets. Wish I could take my boy to the footy like I should have when he was a kid. Some of us have dreams. I want to sail and forget about everything. I say we do them all. I'm the only one to break out of this hellhole and get away with it. You break back in the teleset, did you? Oh, shut up, you legless pussy. Jesus. Get in the hearse. Not a gun, that's your finger. I just wanted to take you to the footy. My boy. Can't feel anything in that leg. You gotta get free and turn it up. Open your heart and fill it with love. If this was your happy ending, what do you imagine would happen next? Pass me the clicker. Things <sighs> buggered. That's the trailer for Never Too Late. Hello, and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. If you've never seen a film starring Roy Billing, you have no business listening to this podcast. We're joking, of course, but Billing has been acting since the 80s and has starred in many Australian films, including The Dish, Rabbit Proof Fence, Charlie and Boots, Mystery Road and Occupation. His Australian television credits go all the way back to E Street and the country practice and include Home and Away, Always Greener, Pack to the Rafters and more recently Underbelly and Jack Irish, two roles Billing tells us are what he's recognised for the most. In this podcast, Billing discusses launching his career in New Zealand, where he was born, moving to Australia, what the local film industry was like at the time and of course his latest film, Never Too Late. Never Too Late follows four Vietnam veterans famous for escaping a POW camp. Now they must break out of the nursing home from hell to fulfil their unrealised dreams. Never Too Late is in cinemas October 22. Anyway, enjoy. Roy Billing, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. (laughs) How's it all going uh, with Never, Never Too Late? Congratulations on the film, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. No, it's sort of strange. I mean, you know, we, we did that, uh, we shot that in March last year and it's finally getting a release. So, and I'm starting to do um, publicity for it. So it's all coming back. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh. Uh, I must say, uh, I think you've got all the best lines in the film. Thank you. <laughs> it's a really good script. It's a great, great character. Hey, um, I want to go back to the beginning for a moment. Um, so you've been acting on screen since 1980. Uh, but you didn't actually get into acting until you were in your 30s. Can you tell us what you were doing prior and, and how you eventually got into acting on screen? Well, I, was, I used to work in the advertising industry and um, I got involved in amateur acting. Um, and then um, 
when I was 30, um, living in New Zealand, I got offered a, a job in a, a, a theatre company at the same time as my marriage broke up and it sort of seemed to be like, well, do, do I do it or not? And I I took the plunge and um, finished up my first year sort of doing theatre and education around schools and then I spent three years with this theatre company in Auckland and then started to get television work and haven't looked back, basically. Wow. So so did you study acting? Did you study screen? Uh, you know, what, well, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, I didn't really know, you know. <laughs> it wasn't until I found acting I thought, oh, this is it. But no, the, the theatre company I was involved with, Theatre Corporate, it doesn't exist now, but they were sort of like almost like a training theatre. We had... Uh, ongoing classes the founder of the theater raymond hawthorne was a uh he taught in in drama schools in, in the uk so we were sort of doing plays plus doing classes so i sort of went to drama school but which had a practical element attached to it and and you also did radio uh, drama as well didn't you yeah yeah those days there was um gosh there's a lot of radio drama it's not so prevalent now mm. So, uh, you know, when I was working in the theatre, a typical day would be getting up in the morning and going to Radio New Zealand, doing a radio play, then turning up for rehearsals in the afternoon, then doing a play at night. It was pretty full on, but good training when you're starting out. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, so, so when you did eventually get into screen acting, what was the screen in- industry like in New Zealand at the time? Uh, I mean, were, were there enough productions happening to get consistent yeah, work? Yeah, things were starting to happen. You know, there was... Um, you know, quite a bit of television happening. Uh, local drama, you know, had started up. Uh, not so many feature films, but, um, you know, local drama. And now, of course, you know, the place is buzzing. There's features going on everywhere and lots of television happening. It feels like uh, since uh, Taika Waititi, um, you know, won the Oscar and, and uh, became big, that, that production really seems to be taking off over there at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, there's all the Peter Jackson element too from, you know, Lord of the Rings and Avatar and there's, there's a Lord of the Rings series shooting here at the moment. So there's a lot of a lot of offshore production coming in. Uh, a, new fi- a New Zealand film that you starred in at the time uh, back in those days was Savage Islands uh, with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, what are your <laughs> memories of that? Was Tommy a big star at the time? He was becoming, yeah. And I, I just had, I had one scene as a slave auctioneer um, filmed up in the Bay of Islands, which was all lots of fun. It was all lots of money spent on it. It was all very exciting at the time. Um, like every other famous Kiwi, you know, we've claimed you as one of our own. Uh, when did you decide <laughs> to relocate to Australia? Uh, I came over there in 89. I've been in quite a lot of stuff here and it got to the stage where uh, oh, one actor coined the phrase in, in New Zealand at that time, you 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 get you get what they call overexposed, which is called success anywhere else, but because it's such a small pool. So I thought, oh, I'll go to Australia and give that a shot. I went to the state via the states, but that was was it. Uh, it was the days before you know nobody knew about Australian or New Zealand actors apart from Paul Hogan and maybe Jack Thompson and um, Judy Davis, but. But so, I, you know, I've came to Australia and, and well, I've had very, a very good career there. I mean, I'm still, I'm still sort of, I'm sort of now based in New Zealand and Australia. We're, we're living on Waiheke Island, which is sort of just off Auckland, a sub, suburb of Auckland, right. get to it by ferry. Yeah. And I've got a place in Coogee. So I was sort of traveling backwards and forwards. We moved here last year, but 
because of the COVID thing, this year has been totally different. Last year, I was back backwards and forwards quite regularly, but this year is a different story with all this coronavirus. I could imagine. Stuff, you know, so it's sort of been basically living on Waiheke Island most of the year, which is one of the best places to be. It's sort of like Byron on an island. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and, 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 you know, in this country that's managing the COVID-19 thing very, very well. So it does create problems because I'm sort of, you know, they're wanting to shoot another series of Jack Irish, the last series in Melbourne, and have to try and fit around that and work out when they can, when I can get over there and quarantine and all this. So it's, what was an easy thing, just getting on a plane, is now getting very complicated because uh, because of this worldwide situation with this pandemic. I could imagine a series of Jack Irish shot in New Zealand, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I suggested that to Ian Polly, the producer, but too too Melbourne-oriented. Hey, um, before we get into Never Too Late, I just want to ask you one more thing about about the industry at the time when you first moved to Australia. Uh, How would you compare the Australian screen industry to the New Zealand industry at that particular time? Oh, it was much, much busier, Mm. much, much more work, Uh, you know, much more happening, much, Mm. much more happening. Um, so a lot of our listeners uh, will want me to ask you about Underbelly, obviously, and I better yeah. do that for them, um, uh, and your role as Aussie Bob. Um, yeah. Would you say that that's the role that, that you get most recognised for? Yeah, that and and just recently um, uh, Harry Strang and Jack Irish because it's been broadcast on Netflix and so many people have seen it. I mean, that's sort of almost taken over from from Bob Trimboli because, yeah. I mean, Trimboli was – I mean, that that series sort of had record ratings and it's been repeated and played all around the world. So, you know, obviously I still get recognised for that. But but um, Jack Irish is slowly becoming almost as equal, just those two characters people seem to really like. Well, so actually that, that, that's just got me thinking then. So th- so those are the two characters that you get most recognised for. What would you say has been your, your, your uh, favourite character to play, uh, you know, after all these years? Oh, look, you know, it's pretty hard to go past Bob Trimboli. Mm. You know, I mean, mm. I like playing Harry Strang and Jack Irish, and I, I like every role that I get, but yeah. uh, playing such an iconic Australian villain, you know, it was pretty amazing, really. <laughs> great, <laughs> great scripts. And uh, and, and, and when, I, when I played him, I deliberately set out not to make him the the archetypal villain because I'd, I'd done, done a lot of research and... And I met people who'd met him, and everybody said, "Oh, he was such a great guy." You know, everybody's <laughs> liked him. So I thought, make him a sort of likable crook, you know, who just happens to be happens to be involved in drug dealing and murderer, but he's still a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's funny the characters that we that we relate to as viewers, isn't it? We always seem to root for the bad guys. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Um, so here we are now with uh, with uh, Never Too Late. Uh, tell us about the character that you played, James Wendell. Wendell. Well, James was part of the famous um, commando group, the Chainbreakers, who um, were famous for breaking out of a Viet Cong prison camp after being in there for a year and He's sort of come back to Australia and basically the backstory is he sort of had post-traumatic stress syndrome and he turned to a life of crime, having been a very, you know, commando and he was very, not a very successful bank robber and finished up in jail a lot of the times. 
and actually broke his back while trying to escape from one prison, which is why he's in a wheelchair in the film. So he's sort of, uh, and you know, and, and he's estranged from his son, played by Shane Jacobson, and he wants to get back with him. But so he was, yeah, obviously a pretty tough character. They all were, but um, you know, he 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 didn't follow a straight and narrow path after he got out of the uh, the army. No, and uh, it got me thinking, actually, about the Vietnam War, that there's some strong themes in this film relating to the Vietnam War, obviously. Um, did you draw on any memories from that time or anyone you knew who, who fought in the war as an inspiration? Uh, look, I, no, I, I knew a lot about it because I was um, actually involved in protests against the war right. when I was younger. But, I mean, it was when I was, you know, when that war was on, it was in the, in the papers all the time, there's news footage all the time. I've seen all the Vietnam War films. I've read a lot of books, so it was. It's all sort of part of my um, background, you know right, that right. that whole war. Mm. So it didn't have to do a lot of research because I knew sort of what what went on. Yeah. Uh, wh- where did the jacket come from? The jacket's fantastic. That was designer. I turned up on set um, not knowing, having a clue, what my costume was going to be. And she decided that um, I would have this sort of bikey look, which I thought was fantastic for him, you know. <laughs> so I uh, that's so I had those sort of uh, fingerless gloves made, which helped with the wheelchair. And then then she came up with the jacket with all the Vietnam and all the sort of logo things all over it. It was fantastic. You know? Oh, it's brilliant! It was, it was such a good look, and it also <laughs> helped with the character. You know, you sort of think, okay, so he's this sort of guy. Yes, you know, it was just one of those things you put that you basically you put the jacket on, you become the character. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> almost, you know, almost. Um, yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the uh, the wheelchair there. What, what was it like to act in the wheelchair? Well, look, surprisingly easy. I, I used to joke to people. I said, look, you know, good thing about being an actor, so long as you can walk and talk, you can still still work. <laughs> and I thought, well. Now I can't walk in a wheelchair, <laughs> but it was it was it took a bit of getting used to. You know, I had a lot of practice, sort of you know, becoming familiar with it. Mm. But what was funny about it? Sometimes I'd be in the wheelchair, we'd be shooting a scene, and the director would call cut, and sometimes some of the crew would come up and start to wheel me away. I said, "Hang on, I just stand up and walk." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's funny. We were filming some stuff at the. Um, <laughs> At the football ground was a scene with me and Shane with a whole lot of extras, and then I suddenly stood up after a take, and people were going, "Oh, you know. he can walk! It's a miracle!" Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it was funny with crew people trying to be helpful and move me. I said, "I'll just get it. I'll just get up and walk." <laughs> you're not in a wheelchair yet. You're you're not that age yet. <laughs> Um, so that got me thinking, actually. You just mentioned that football scene. Uh, um, uh, your character's a Port Adelaide supporter. Do you follow the AFL or, or, or are you yes, a rugby man? Or? Well, I'm, uh, but being a Kiwi, I, I follow rugby. But uh, having spent 30 years in Australia, I really got into AFL. I'm a Swanee supporter, um, living in Sydney, obviously. And I re- I, that's one thing I do miss over here because you can't get there's not the same broadcast yes. of, of AFL. Not that there's been much this year, all no. up in Queensland. But, but no, I'm a real, real AFL fan, and uh, definitely Swannies. Oh, it must have been hard for you to sit there in uh, Adelaide gear, <laughs> cheering on Port Adelaide. <laughs> Um, you one thing about the film uh, you know that uh, me and my partner really enjoyed when we were watching it is uh, the chemistry between you and Jack Thompson you both really bounce off here 
Um, yeah. And as a viewer, it seemed like you had this great chemistry. Was that the case? Yeah, we did. I mean, we all did, actually. We all got on really, really well. Um, I think, you know, we all knew we only had 20 days to shoot the film and we all knew, you know, we all knew we were old pros and like Mark Lamprell said, he was, he thought, oh, these guys are old, we're going to be shooting stuff and they'll forget lines and everything. But he said it was the ex- the opposite. We'd just get in, do a scene, nail it and do it in one take sometimes. <laughs> wow. So we, because, you know, we just, we just, learn our lines and no, but we, we got on really everybody got on really well but yeah jack and i got on well i love the the, the relationship between those two characters you oh, know fantastic jack's getting a bit doddery and <laughs> and wendell's in a in a wheelchair too. Uh, had little. you ever worked with jack before look i once years and years ago about 1980 81 there was a film called bad blood about uh a guy, Stanley Graham, who went mad during the Second World War and, and he because the cops tried to take his life off him. He was a farmer and they were they were commandeering all, everybody's firearms for the home guard and he, he shot a couple of cops and took to the hills and it was a big manhunt for him. It was quite famous. And I had a very small role in that. Uh, Jack played played the lead role. And I had a very small role in that as a sort of dairy company inspector as one of the few people in the town who actually got on with him. He was a very difficult guy, but, but the scene got cut. Oh, the two no. scenes, they got cut. So but Jack remembered it. I said, yeah, this time we won't get cut. It's the first time I've actually worked with him. I mean, I've met him and, yeah. all, you know, of course in that, but he's a great guy. Um, so you mentioned that uh, you had 20 days to shoot, but did you spend much time together as a group before um, before filming started? Not really. We just went straight into it. Mm. I mean, we 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 had a we had a couple of days rehearsal, mm. a few days rehearsal, and and uh, but uh, just something you know about the chemistry. We all just clicked. You know, I thought, mm. okay, right, this is it. Yeah. And um and we all sort of knew what we were doing. And Mark was very good to work with. And uh, and but we you know we did have the sort of rehearsal time we did have was um not so much sort of actually playing the thing out but talking through you know relationships and what's happening here and what's happening there so by the time we got in front of the cameras we knew what uh, we knew every we knew what was going on um you you, ne- you never seem to be short of a role you always seem to be doing something and uh, I've noticed yeah. on your filmography that you've got a film coming up with uh, Marcus Graham can you can you tell us a bit about that one Oh, that's uh, called Mile Creek Massacre um, about a, a massacre Aboriginal massacre. Um, where unusually some of the perpetrators were actually tried and and hung, but uh, I don't know when that's coming out. I think they're still trying to get funding to finish off um, editing. Right. But I played a judge in that, um, so that was a couple of years ago, and they're still trying to get it out. So yeah, so that's um, I've got a couple of other things happening. I've um, Got a small role in a film over here coming up and a TV series here coming up and third series of Jack Irish. So I'm still working, still doing a lot of voiceover work. I've got a little system called Source Connect at home here where I can actually hook into a studio in Sydney and, and, and do radio and TV voiceovers. That's fantastic because I know that you really enjoy your, vo- your voiceover work and, yeah, and you're very yeah, active yeah. in the voiceover community. Yeah, well, since since we've sort of got this um, little sort of retirement place on on Waiheke Island in Auckland, 
Um, I've got a sort of room study library that's got soundproof curtains and I can just hook this system up and and hook into a studio in Sydney and keep doing that, which is great, you know, ah. especially in these days when you, you know, the COVID, COVID era. Yeah. See, last year... I was back and forth to Sydney all the time and I did a couple of jobs over there. I did well, never too late and I was in Operation Buffalo and I was going back and that was the plan when we moved over here was just to keep travelling backwards and forwards. But yeah. this year I haven't left New Zealand mm. and I'm, you know, waiting. Jack Irish is on hold and waiting for Victoria to sort of free up a bit so they can shoot the final series. So everything's different now well fingers crossed it won't be too long before you're back over here making uh, some more stuff especially jack irish but um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, i'm looking forward to it um well it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and uh, it's you know i really enjoy watching all of your films uh, after all these Great. years and uh and here's to um the future of australian cinema yes indeed okay. thank you Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.